Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, hey, hey out there, everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land number 84. This is Brian McWilliams, your loving host. Or at least your mildly affectionate host, however you want to look at it. Now, you may be asking yourself, episode 84, huh? What a significance does that have? And the answer is jack shit. Absolutely no significance at all. Although, if you do add eight and four together, what do you get? Twelve. And Jesus had how many apostles? Yes, twelve. Really, there's no relevance to it whatsoever. I'm just saying that I hope you guys become apostles of this show. And I encourage you to go. Go visit lionsofliberty.com. Go check out the support page. Go join and get all the goodness that is Patreon. Or as Mark would say, Patreon, because he always bitches me out for saying it wrong. But you can become a good supporter of the show, a good caring citizen for liberty by supporting us. As cheap as $5 gives you access to all sorts of amazing content. And yes, I am doing a live read on this show. Why? Because I'm recording it on a different computer than my normal one. I'm just too lazy to pull all the different sound clips up and put them in. And uh, hopefully this sounds pretty regular. I'm um, doing it on my work computer, so I'm now working from home, which is nice. And uh, this computer is about 10 years older. I'm sorry, not older. 10 years younger than my computer I was recording all of the other podcasts on, which was like the oldest 2008 piece of shit Mac laptop that just would freeze and it's just a nightmare to use. So this is an updated garage band. Uh, which is what I used to record on. And um, hopefully all things go well. This sounds great. But, you know, if more of you gave money, I could update my computer more often. (laughs) Isn't that what we all want? I say yes. But anyway, if you haven't heard the show before, uh, yes, welcome along. I do ramble quite a bit, and I plan on rambling this episode because I did just come back from having a nice birthday dinner with Mark Clare, my co-host on the Lions of Liberty podcast here, along with John Odie Odermatt, who, of course, does the Felony Friday shows. And uh, we went out for a nice little sushi din-din with Mark and uh, another one of our Liberty supporters, Dan the Man Mahoney. He's a $25 supporter of ours and a friend of mine all the way back to middle school, if you can believe it, and uh, another convert to liberty. So uh, it can be done, people. It can be done. He's a good man. So anyway, let's kick into it. I'm a little drunk. Let's keep. Uh, let's crack through some stories here before I sober up and uh, before I run out of this delicious vodka soda with lemon, a lemon that was not stolen, but uh, borrowed from a neighbor's tree. Fortunately, I'm 6'3", so if I jump straight up in the air, I can snag a shitload of lemons off of their tree. And you know what? It hangs above the sidewalk. It's legal. I don't know if you knew that, but that is the law. <laughs> the law of the lemon land. <laughs> and you know what? I was just, I, this is how you know I'm drunk doing the show. Um, by the way, here's a little joke for you guys. You know that old saying, milk, milk, lemonade around the corner, fudge is made. Sounds like the best goddamn farmer's market ever. You're welcome. Use that on your friends and neighbors. All right, guys, let's kick into the show here. First things first, there is a story that I meant to talk about quite a bit, 
And uh, I forgot to, that was originally sent to me by my good friend and my brother-in-law, Stephen, up in San Francisco, another convert to liberty who now is living deep within progressive territory. But he sent me this story, and uh, I'd been tagged in it on our Facebook forum, which you could join by just going to Facebook, type in Lions of Liberty Forum. Make sure you do say that you heard about the forum here on the podcast, because uh, there's a lot of lunatics out there. And we do screen, so make sure you heard about the podcast here. But it's basically a story, which is that Facebook, which has a large office up in the San Francisco region, has banned Facebook, the company, like the the city has banned the company from providing, providing, providing free lunch to its employees. And the rationale behind this is that If they provide free lunch, then they are depriving all of the little restaurants and taverns and whatever the fuck, you know, yoga, soy parlors that exist in San Francisco of patronage from all these workers that now are working at Facebook. Now, never mind that all of these restaurants will still get patrons coming in because the city of San Francisco has increased its members of the populace, which have plenty of throwaway money. Cause if you know anything about these tech companies, it's that they pay a lot of millennials and a lot of young people, a shitload of money way more arguably than they are worth, but Hey, free market, man. But they pay them way more money than they have uh, anything to spend it on. So these people can go out and spend it whenever they want when they're say not at Facebook and it's not at lunch. And let's not forget that these people, by virtue of living there, are raising people's uh, property values in the region. Then all the companies that uh, provide food and sustenance around that area, in turn, raise their costs. Because if everybody's making more money, they can then charge more money. They can up their offering. They can provide uh, custom craft foods, perhaps, rather than just dealing hot dogs. Maybe now you have special goat anus hot dogs uh, that are shipped in from Sweden direct and are, are untouched by human hands. They're packed by specially trained Australian Wallas, which are uh, really proficient at packing goat anus hot dogs. So now you've got special goat anus hot dogs for all these people that have way too much money. The point being, getting rid of Facebook's ability to provide a lunch as an enticement to people that want to work at Facebook as a benefit, as, say, providing uh, childcare as a benefit to come there, as an enticement, as a leg up against your competition might be. The city of San Francisco has decided that we need to ban that to take care of these little local restaurants. Absolutely fucking retarded. Absolutely retarded. And you know what? If anybody that's going to Facebook wants to stick it to the man, how about you bring a lunch? How about that? What, are they going to start banning peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Because that's the next evolution of this, is it not? And a guy, by the way, guys, I apologize if it's a little echoey in here. I, um, I've ordered some sound absorbing uh, stuff, but I'm in my new studio here and uh, it's not here yet. But anyway, I I mean, is that the next evolution of this? First, we're going to stop your company from allowing you for free lunch. And next thing, well, you know, God, uh, what can anyone imagine the terrors that would exist if you could make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich at home and bring it with you to work? Oh my, would somebody think about the children? I mean, what the fuck are we talking about here? A company wants to provide free lunch. That's great. 
The employees now have free lunch. You now have the state stepping in and insisting that these employees have to either spend money with a local a local store to buy their own lunch and make their own lunch, or they have to go and purchase lunch outside. That is beyond ridiculous. This is, I mean, this really should be considered a tax. When you have a, a, a government entity insisting that you purchase something, just like with Obamacare, we are now insisting that you purchase something you don't want or you don't need. This is a tax. This is government taxing you upon your existing wages, upon your existing uh, income. You've got people being forced to buy from local people when a company will give it to them for free. And you know what? I don't know. I don't know the math, man, but I guarantee you a lunch in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in the world, probably costs you at a minimum $15 for a motherfucking grilled cheese and a bag of chips. So you times 15 times five and you got 75 every week. So these motherfuckers in San Francisco are costing every single person that works at Facebook 75 goddamn dollars a week. Unbelievable. By the way, you know what else is unbelievable? How goddamn hot it is in LA right now and in the studio. <laughs> and those of you who have listened to the show for a while know I was bitching about my old studio because it was a second floor in an ununconditioned air conditioned apartment. And uh, that was hot, man. And I tell you what, it is equally hot in this new house because I don't have AC because it's a heat wave in LA right now. It's a heat wave a lot of places, but in LA, because we usually have such nice weather, most of these places don't have AC. Mine does not have AC. And even though it's on the ground floor, I've had the windows open cross breezing all day, <laughs> cross breezing and cross dressing. That's what I've been doing. I've been dressing in ladies panties to try to stay cool in this goddamn heat, but no yeah, cross breeze all day. And I swear to God, man, I just, I closed the doors to record. So you guys don't hear the dog barks and the, whatever else is going on here. And, uh, I'm just sweating balls, which is, it could be good or bad. I just came from getting a little drunk with Mark earlier for his birthday, which by the way, a great birthday present for Mark would be joining the pride, becoming a patron. Oof, but, uh, I'm sweating to the oldies here, man. I'm sweating. Goddamn Richard Simmons is perched on my shoulders, squeezing the back of my neck with his nutsack. I'm sweating so much right now. Anyway, you know who else is sweating? Maduro. Venezuela's Maduro. Yes, the president, quote-unquote president, who was quote-unquote reelected. Take that with a grain of salt. Take it as you like. But Maduro has admitted, if you can believe it, that, yes, socialism has failed. And he said this uh, recently, uh, it was about on the second, admitting that he has failed, that the economic model has failed. Now, he isn't, he didn't go into such detail, but uh, basically, considering the fact that Venezuela has an oil industry that has plummeted because they were just dominating uh, with oil for quite a long time. But then they nationalized the oil industry. And predictably, when you don't t- take something, you don't take care of it, you don't have people that actually know what they're doing, you don't have free market people in there, well, it falls to pieces. And that's what happened. So now they've got no money coming in. They've got shortages in everything from bread to water. And I told you a couple episodes ago that the army has actually taken over the water supply in Venezuela because there are so few functioning access points where you can actually get water that the military has taken over the water and now is rationing that out. And of course, you know how that works because 
People that are well-connected will get water. Meanwhile, people that are the everyday Joes who ostensibly would benefit from socialism are left out in the cold, have to beg and plead and uh, suck a dick to get some water. And of course, we also have medicine shortages. We have toilet paper shortages. We have every other kind of shortage. And you know what? Shockingly, nationalizing all these industries hasn't worked. And jailing the bakers who were charging people market value to try to make ends meet which violated Maduro's rules on the cost of bread. Well, that doesn't work either. So now people are just starving in the streets, dying in droves. There's revolution. Uh, talk of revolution, I should say. And you've got the military controlling the water supply. So Maduro basically had to admit it. And here's what Zero Hedge is reporting uh, by virtue of uh, another piece, which I'm too lazy to click to. But here is a quote from Maduro. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget the fact that Venezuela has a, a hyperinflation forecast of a million percent by the end of the year. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? I was talking to a friend of mine, by the way, who is Venezuelan. His family's still in Venezuela. And his father actually, fortunately, has a position wherein he can work with people. And he works with, this, with uh, as a genealogist. Because Spain, as a gesture of goodwill to people from Venezuela, because a lot of Venezuelans came from Spain, said, hey, okay, you're... You know, you're in a fuck situation over there, guys. If you can prove that you have Spanish heritage, that your family migrated from Spain, we will allow you to repatriate to Spain and get out of the hellscape that has been created in socialist Venezuela. So there's a lot of families that are now rushing to get genealogies done, proving that they were indeed from Spain. And my friend's father actually is a genealogist. So he is now rolling in dough comparatively. And by comparatively, I mean he is charging something like 200 American dollars. And that is something like, you know, <laughs> 15 grand Venezuelan at this point. So while their Venezuelan dollars are basically worth nothing, in $200 in Venezuela goes so far that he said basically his father's making an incredibly good living right now because they were – terrified. I mean, they were really thinking about fleeing Venezuela as well. So good for him and uh, good for the free market in that regard. And hopefully a lot of those people can get over to Spain. Anyway, long story short or short story long, expect a lot of that. Here's what Maduro's quote was. <laughs> I'll do it in Maduro accent for you. The production models we've tried so far have failed and the responsibility is ours, mine and yours, Maduro told his ruling PSUV party Congress. Enough with the whining. We need to produce with or without outside aggression, with or without blockades. We need to make Venezuela an economic power. Now, I was tempted to switch accents in the middle of that when he said enough with the whining and say enough with the whining, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, uh, you know. And then he said, no more whining. I want solutions, comrades. Uh, no, uh, no word on whether or not he shot his comrades at the back of the head for not performing like so many socialists have done, but just like everywhere else has tried socialism, we're seeing it play out exactly as predicted with mass starvation, mass jailings, and, uh, the fat cats at the top, they're, they're doing just fine. Quick hitter. And then I'm going to get into the main meat of the episode. Actually two more quick hitters than the main meat of the episode, which is what a lot of other libertarian podcasters have been talking about, but uh, I want to talk about it as well, which is, of course, is Alex Jones getting his podcast killed and axed from YouTube and, and uh, Apple. And then also the new news 
This is what uh, the advantage of being a Wednesday podcast, the other sons of bitches. Of course, that Scott Horton, as well as a couple other leaders in the Liberty Movement, have been shut out of Twitter because <laughs> just for the most ridiculous reasons. But before we get into that, let's talk about Joe Scarborough crediting Obama with the current economy. Now, let's just say on its surface, number one, virtually no president has ever actually had any impact on the economy because we all know that the Fed has a massive impact on the economy. And as interest rates go, so goes the economy in many cases, which is why I'm worried that the Fed's going to raise the interest rates and that's going to crash the economy, which is basically just in a giant bubble right now anyway, because we have the Fed manipulating the money supply, manipulating the interest rates and keeping an artificially low rate of interest, which of course encourages just in the Keynesian way, encourages all sorts of uh, people to borrow money that they shouldn't be borrowing and creates this bubble. And having been a person who just bought a house, I'm sure it'll pop because, you know, that's my lot in life. <laughs> As someone who knows to expect the worst at every given point, to expect to sweat his balls off in his new house. Um, yeah, I'm sure that it'll crash and I'll lose all my money that I spent in this house and I'll be uh, upside down, as they say. But I just love Joe Scarborough is now fucking crediting Obama with the current economy, which Obama, if you don't know, was economically retarded, uh, pushed through record highs as far as the corporate tax, which was something like 35.7% or 37.5%. I might be transposing those a little bit. But it was basically the third highest corporate tax rate in the known world. And uh, if you could imagine, it was a huge detriment to doing business. Not only that, being the corporate tax rate also impacts small businesses all over the place because you still, once you're incorporated, pay that corporate tax. People think about corporate taxes. Oh, well, Apple can afford it. Well, how about fucking Joe down the street who's opening up a brew pub? Can Joe down the street in this goddamn brew pub order? Can a, can a restaurant opening up with a tiny profit margin for 35.7 tax rate? I doubt it. And let's not forget that the bigger people all know, also know how to get around the taxes, can find loopholes. So Trump comes in. And as you all know, they've been listening to this show. I am a huge fan of Trump's tax breaks that he's given. I'm a huge fan of deregulating. And I think that has actually greatly helped the economy and has, if you're going to do one thing as a president that's actually going to impact the economy, it would be to, well, he's done one thing to fuck us over, which is raise tariffs, but it would be to lower tariffs. Second thing is to lower taxes for the corporate tax rate. It's a no-brainer. And the impact it has on small businesses through to individuals as well, because obviously the tax breaks that individuals have gives you more money to then invest in a business, perhaps, or invest in spending money on a business. And this is where, you know, I talk a lot about reaching people that aren't libertarians and finding a, a common ground with them. Tax breaks are something that you can actually find a pretty good common ground with people on, especially when it re revolves around uh, minorities or people that are considered downtrodden because we look at we look at the environments that people have let's say you look at uh, black america or you look at uh, hispanic america and you look at the the areas these people live in you say okay so you've already got a situation when you've got the drug war in full effect you've got people that are uh, disenfranchised from reuniting families which is something you'll hear about on john odermatt's felony friday but let's say a father gets arrested for a drug crime right uh, the quote-unquote crime 
of selling some weed or uh, I don't even buying some weed or just being in possession of weed because a lot of the times these communities are also vastly over-policed. And this is, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have an area that has high crime rates because you have police there that are constantly on watch for every single little teeny crime that goes on. So yeah, of course they have high crime rates. Anyway, you've got the, let's say you've got a father, he gets arrested for marijuana possession or for dealing a small amount of marijuana to a, a, you know, a voluntary transaction between two people, but he goes to jail. Now he comes out of jail. Now there's actually a disincentivizing factor where they won't allow a father to come back into the household for a certain amount of time. So when you're out, you're a felon, you come back, you try to reunite with your kids, you're disincentivized from doing that. So let's look at these communities, right? And say, okay, what's the best way we can help these people? What's upward mobility? Well, as I've said, Upper mobility depends on a lot of factors. The number one indicator being a coherent family unit because you have two earning parents. You have people that can take care of a child, that can give the child attention, that can put the child in uh, secondary school if you want that. Regardless, two people taking care of a kid is better than one. And apart from that, though, let's say if you're talking to people, they say, we want to help the black community. We want to help the Hispanic community. Great. Well, how about we take a shot at making them entrepreneurs? How about that? How about, like Rand Paul has uh, said in the past, you do tax-free zones or economic benefit zones, wherein you give these people a chance to actually get a break from Papa government and incentivize them to start a business, to grow a business, to, to take their ideas and turn them into something. I mean, that is the American dream, is it not? And when we see that work in a microcosm, where we see these downtrodden communities where people have written them off and said, oh, well, these communities are... are you know, it's about education. It's, we have to throw money at it. It's about white privilege. It's, you know, it's about racism. No, I think if you give these communities the opportunity, if you lower the, the tax rate, if you give them the chance to create a real business and you're not over-policing them and breaking families up and destroying them via the drug war, well, then you could actually accomplish something. So I went off on a, a complete ridiculous tangent there. But anyway, getting back to the main point. So Trump's tax cuts to me are, are one of the best things that he's done. And for Scarborough to say, this is fucking Obama's economy based upon, I don't even know what, high tax rates, uh, the, you know, still high tariffs, Obama's worker benefit bullshit, which costs something like $400,000 per every job created. I don't know. I mean, you've got the Trump economy where jobs are an, a job or unemployment rates are at an all time low. I, I don't know what the, I don't know even know what Scarborough's basing on. But what I love about this is that Scarborough's going to flip it around because you know as soon as shit goes sideways, which it inevitably will. Like I said, if the if the Fed keeps raising interest rates, it will go sideways very quickly. But we're going to see the economy take a downturn, and as soon as that happens, what's what's Joe Scarborough going to say? What are all these people going to say that are crediting Obama with this economy? They're going to say, well, this is Trump has now ruined it. So, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that this is Obama's economy because it's going well. And then as soon as it turns, which could be as soon as two months from now, say that it's now Trump's fault. Because there's too many, it's a global economy. There's too many factors to take into play. And without direct stimulus, like I would say tax cuts, like corporate tax cuts, like uh, different rules on repatriating money for corporations that entices them to stay here, or like well, what I would be all for would be getting rid of the minimum wage because then you would see a huge uptick in investment in the United States. You'd have companies bringing all their workforces home, wouldn't you? 
But barring moves like that, it, it's not dependent on a president. It's dependent on war. It's dependent on global economies. It's dependent on any number of factors. So fuck off with this Obama bullshit. Fuck off with the Trump bullshit. None of it matters. None of it's related. It's just it's just so aggravating to see people just try to manipulate this and, and take yeah, you know, they take credit for what the good things are and they turn against whatever the bad things are, and it's all manipulation and it's all horseshit. All right, but let's end not end. Let's end this part of the show, this rambling drunken show, on uh Kane Jacobs, baby. Former guest on the Lions of Liberty, actually one of the very first guests on the Lions of Liberty, and I would, I would link to the show where Kane was on, but it was uh, in, in Mark's fledgling years. Uh, I'd say fledgling episodes. I think it's the first five episodes of the show, if you can imagine such a thing. And big kudos to Glenn Jacobs for coming on the Lions of Liberty podcast when it was in those first five episodes. By the way, I mean shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's amazing. A guy, huge pro wrestler. You got uh, random goofballs like, hey, uh, you want to come on a libertarian podcast? He's like, sure. And now we can't get him back. Kane, you big shot. You big shot in us. Anyway, the news is Kane, or Glenn Jacobs, as he's known to the common people, has one mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, which in view, uh, I think includes Knoxville, Tennessee, probably the uh, most well-known area there. And uh, sadly, I don't think I, I'm not sure if it includes Fort Knox or not. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to do a little Google boxing, but I do like the concept of a libertarian becoming mayor of someplace that could involve Fort Knox. Isn't that the dream, right? Finally, a libertarian will be in charge of America's gold and be able to get us off the fiat system. A man can dream, can't he? And speaking of dreams, if you have one, I strongly suggest that you check out our sponsor, conversationmattime.com. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Matt Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. Oh, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode 84. Can you hear the exhaustion in my voice? I'm, I, <laughs> like I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm recording on a work computer, which is 10 years newer than my laptop. And despite the fact that this computer is newer, faster, stronger, uh, it's like the goddamn six million dollar man this son of a bitch has stalled on me has stopped recording has said it's recording and not recorded and then picks up halfway through tracks about 20 times so i'm at the end of my rope i'm about to lose my fucking shit here and put my fist through this computer 
So apologies. I'm now hot, drunk, and dehydrated in this sweat box trying to finish this episode. So I'm uh, I'm on edge. <laughs> I'm losing it, Jerry. I swear to fucking God, man. This is like, this is hell. This is like, if, if, am I dead? Am I fucking dead right now in hell recording this episode? Sweating my goddamn balls off with a computer that won't take the fucking audio I'm trying to give it. Computer, let me put my audio in you. <laughs> Let's just be friends. I promise. Just the tip, computer. Just the audio tip. Please just let me put it. Okay. Let's get to the end of the show. I'm going to wrap this up. Apologies. It's going to be a very short episode. I can't, I can't take this anymore. It's, I, I, this episode has taken an hour and a half to record. It's going to be about 38 minutes long at the end of it. And you guys know me. I'm not one for recording. I'm not one for, I should say, I should not, I'm not one for re-recording. I'm not one for editing. You get me. If you go to a, a libertarian event and you talk to me, you're going to get this. This is what I sound like. This is what I talk like. Uh, unfiltered. No edits. If I fuck up, I fuck up. I'll either correct myself or just let it fly. Not with facts, mind you. I'll correct those, but with names, addresses, emails, whatever. So to record this long and uh, and know that I'm only <laughs> like I still got more things to talk about is is truly maddening. But you know that's my problem, guys. That's my problem. Okay, let's wrap this bastard up, huh? Let's let's put a mummy wrap on this son of a bitch. Let's scare some Laurel and Hardy with this mummified bitch. How about that? Okay, let's finish it up. All right, a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Wilbur Ross. Then I want to talk about this whole Twitter ban uh, with Alex Jones and the great Scott Horton. So let's talk first things first about Wilbur Ross because I I just I think this is so funny. People are like, you know, Forbes had a big story come out about Wilbur Ross. And Wilbur Ross is the Secretary of Commerce under Donald Trump. And news has broken that this man has stolen over the years something like $120 million from businesses, from partners over the years. And everybody is raising a huge stink. I, Wilbur Ross, my God, he's he's a criminal. He's a thief. (laughs) And, And I can't help but laugh. Because this man working in government as a secretary of commerce, what better place for a fucking thief than in government in this position? Because, my friends, we all know that taxation is theft. We all know that the goddamn tariffs and the taxes and the regulations they put on commerce and capitalism are fucking theft to begin with. So I say, welcome home, Wilbur. If anything, he's the perfect man for the job, is he not? All these assholes clutching their pearls and hand-wringing. Look, I'm not happy there's a crook in that position, but that... It doesn't matter because that's to pretend that every other person in that position has not been a crook. That's to pretend that everyone working in government is not a crook. That is not already stealing from you, taking money directly out of your wallet, directly out of your paycheck. At at least this son of a bitch helped people make money first. The government's not helping fucking anybody make money except maybe military contractors. So Wilbur 
Good job, man. You fucking fell into the industry you were born to be stealing from people without their knowledge. Good fucking job, Will. All right, let's get to the main affair here. Let's get to the main event. So a lot of people have been cracking down on Twitter. Twitter's got a new algorithm that is banning people. Well, I was going to say banning people left and right, but banning people right is more uh, appropriate to say. And this all began, a lot of this this shit began because the New York Times appointed a new uh, editorial board member who is a uh, Korean woman by the name of, hold on, Sarah Jong. And Sarah Jong has a long history of basically being incredibly racist towards white people. So it includes tweets like dumbass fucking white people marking the, the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. Uh, are, are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? Uh, like, number one, white men are bullshit. Number two, no one cares about women. Number three, you could threaten anyone on the internet except cops. And uh, it goes on and on. She gets pleasure out of torturing white men, uh, uh, whatever. Now, you know me being me. Frankly, those things are not statements that I would advocate for. And my goddamn computer stopped recording right after that. Uh, delightfully high-pitched ending, uh, advocate for? <laughs> my, com- my computer couldn't even take that, uh, that pitch in my voice. Okay. Picking up where I left off. Trying to maintain my composure and my goddamn sanity right now to just... I just want to finish this podcast for you people and then I'll never record on this goddamn fucking cunt computer from hell ever again in my life. Okay. So anyway, these tweets. Now I, I could view a lot of this as off the cuff, glib bullshit. Uh, you know, people say a lot of stuff like this. I could see a comedian on stage saying this and as somebody that does stand up, okay, I can forgive it. And people are saying, well, this woman should not be named to the New York Times editorial board because she's clearly racist. And I do think she is racist against white people. I I frankly do believe that. I think she has a clear bias. She clearly dislikes white people greatly, despite the fact that, I I don't know, it's kind of funny. If you're looking at the classes historically that white people have oppressed, Koreans, which she is Korean or from Korean heritage, uh, not in that list. (laughs) You know, I, I... Chinese, they were definitely taken advantage of in the railroads. Um, I would argue that that was not anywhere near as bad as slavery, but uh, take advantage, clearly. But Koreans, fairly recent additions, I would say, and most Koreans I know are doing pretty goddamn well. Pretty goddamn well. So I'm not sure what exactly her beef is with, um, with white people. But... I, you know, if the New York Times want to appoint this woman to their editorial board, I don't, I don't fucking care, man. Go for it. Appoint her. You know, you're, you're a company, you've got a board to do what you want. If you want to board, if you want to appoint this person with this position, fine. Maybe she has characteristics as a journalist that you represent, represent, respect. And, uh, you know, People's tweets, it's like in this modern era, I, I just, I don't understand. And I might talk about this a little bit with my guest uh, this upcoming week. I think it's going to be, 
uh, a comedian I'm friends with. But so don't worry, you won't have to listen to me doing another solo episode. Actually, we'll have a guest. But people, it's like they're taking like look at the James Gunn issue. You're you're taking tweets that don't represent people as a whole. And of course you find these tweets and there's now conservatives using the left's tactics against them, which I, in a way is fine. But at the same time, I, I don't, I don't respect that. I didn't respect it with the left. Didn't I don't respect the left taking tweets out of context. I don't, I don't respect the right doing that to the left. So maybe this chick is racist. Maybe she's not. Like I said, I do think she is, but regardless, if she's a good journalist, if she does her job correctly, which she probably won't, but if she does her job correctly, the New York Times wants to appoint her, then fucking fine. Who cares? They're a business. Their journalistic integrity, their reporting should be the test, right? The free market should be the decider on that. And, uh, and so be it. And if people object to it, well, don't read the New York Times. I know I don't anymore. I used to love the New York Times. I mean, I'm a publicist. I used to respect the shit out of the New York Times, but not anymore. And it's just a leftist shill paper now. Same thing with the Washington Post. It's an embarrassment to journalism. I, it's It really makes me sad what's happened to the Washington Post and the New York Times and media in general. CNN. Shit. Look at CNN. Reportedly, the institution behind the blackballing of Alex Jones. So that's unconfirmed. But CNN was the channel I would turn to because God knows MSNBC is completely left-wing lunacy. You got Fox News, which I don't respect because they're too right-leaning, although even even they've, uh, I don't even know, in the era of Trump, become more liberal. So I looked at CNN for honest reporting, and now you can't trust that. It's the, the, I mean, MSNBC, too. So in regards to this whole thing, this, this happened. And then we've got Candace Owens, who is a, a black conservative, and she tweeted out, the exact same tweets as Sarah Zhang, however, replaced white people with black or Asian or Muslim, and she was immediately suspended from Twitter. And that is ungoddamn fucking believable because it's become very clear that every single class is a protected class that hate speech is hate speech, except when it pertains to white people. And I was just reading a recent article about this, and I agree with it completely that these what these assholes don't understand is that when you go about social constructs and you say, okay, well, racism applies to everything except white people. And every other color, every other religion, every other class, every other sect, every other gender, every other fucking pretend gender, they all have their inalienable rights they all have their special place and you can't assault that special place and they get special privileges but god forbid sorry my computer stopped recording again uh guys i'm gonna be honest with you i'm um <laughs> i'm past my motherfucking tolerance limit right now um not i'm not talking about alcohol there's no tolerance limit for that with me but I'm I'm past my limit for dealing with this. So I'm going to finish this thought about Candace Owens and about Sarah Jong. I'm going to wrap this episode up. And what you're going to get is you're going to get a very special episode on Thursday of Electric Liberty Land. I know. 
Uh, you should look forward to that. It's going to be very special. It's going to be very uh, full of cursing because, God damn it, <laughs> I, uh, I have a lot of anger built up now. So we're going to talk about all of that tomorrow, and then you'll get to hear it on Thursday. So to wrap up tonight's thoughts, hopefully my computer doesn't stop fucking recording before I finish it. But to finish what I was saying, so you've got all of these special privilege classes that all get special protections. They get Twitter bans if you so much as blink at them. And now you've got white people who are saying, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not racist. I'm not anything. I never considered myself to be part of this white alien race or the, the alt-right or anything else, which is, by the way, how I grew up. I, I, I never grew up in, in any way uh, racist, sexist, and I'm still not, by the way. I'm still fucking not. But when you see all of these people attacking people of white skin who, who I'm sorry, I've done nothing wrong in my life. I, I, I'm trying to help everybody. I'm a libertarian. I believe in free markets. I believe in helping everyone. I believe in giving everyone a chance to succeed, to have everybody have freedom. I'm fighting tooth and fucking nail against the goddamn drug war, which I'm sorry is the number one thing which is impacting black America. I just, it, it's frustrating to see all these slings and arrows being loaded against white people. And for these people that are loading up the fucking cannons to fire at white America, not to understand the fact that their racism against white people is what's causing more racism. And the recent article I read by Jonah Goldberg in the National Review uh, expressed those exact sentiments. And I've been saying it for years, and it's true. When you have... People in mass saying, hey, white people, fuck you, than white people who never considered themselves white people before as a group are going to say, well, Jesus Christ, if everyone else is a goddamn group and everyone else is against us, then I guess we need to be a group. All of this fucking racism, and yes, it's racism against white people. All it's doing is making people more fucking racist against other people and more protective of their own race. It is idiotic. And it seems like, you know, for all this talk of social justice and equalizing the world and making the world a better place, all they're doing right now is making the world a worse place to live in for everybody and raising race animosity. I mean, Jesus Christ, things were going along pretty fucking smashingly. When I grew up, I'm 38, right? When I grew up, when I was a kid, when I was, you know, whatever, as soon as I could think and walk and I was a thinking human being, I shit you not, man. If I saw a mixed race couple, because this is fucking 30 years ago now. So when I was like 8, 10, 12, whatever. I saw a mixed race couple walking down the street and they had a baby. I'd be like, oh, that's fucking great. I, mean, I didn't say fucking, I was a kid, but you know, I would really appreciate that. I, I would, you know, cause I, I learned about the history. I'd learned about segregation. I'd learned about the differences between black and white. I'd learned about all of that. And my natural inclination is to say, that's great to see people coming together. Clearly, progress was being made. I mean, fuck, what do you want? I, I'm a kid. I'm rooting for people to get together of different races. I, I, I don't know what else you can ask for. And now, 
because of the social constructs that's created, as a white straight male, I am constantly under attack. And I'm not somebody that's going to race out and fucking join the alt-right or any stupid bullshit like that. You know, I I pride myself on just being who I am as a person. And, you know, if you're somebody that doesn't like white people and won't like me because I'm white, well, you know, fuck off. Fuck you. I don't I don't really give a shit. Um, on the same note, you know, if you're a white person who doesn't like black people just because they're black. Well, fuck you too. But I I just am blown away by the steps backward we've taken as a culture. I mean, it's like, I was amazed by the step backward we've taken from an artistic perspective, looking at how restrictive films and and art have become compared to like the seventies even. And I feel like it's the same way, you know, you look at, People call them black exploitation films, but fuck, man, Shaft is looked at upon as a an iconic film. I'm gonna get you, sucker. I mean, these were films that were ostensibly created to appeal to the black marketplace, and they're called exploitation films. But yeah, white people fucking loved them. Black people fucking loved them. They forwarded a, a concept of acceptance of black America, and I, yeah, that's the free market talking, man. I'm sorry if you consider the free market, if you consider the spreading of ideas, of cultures, as exploitative, like, for example, cultural appropriation, then you have a deep-seated problem. I just want to experience as many cultures as I can. I want to meet as many people as I can. I want to see as many things as I can. I want to learn as many fucking languages and eat as many goddamn fucking foods as I can. And I don't want to be called a racist (laughs) for wanting to do it. I don't want to feel as though uh, other white people are going to look to me as somebody that has to group together with them just to protect my basic rights. I mean, that's a, a sign of a truly fucked up America. And that's the road we're going down. All right, well, guys, I was planning on this being a real rip-roaring drunk episode wherein I really got into screaming and yelling about Scott Horton being uh, booted from Twitter and uh, and a little bit on Alex Jones as well, man, but this computer issues is taking it out of me. <laughs> no amount of booze could, could overcome these computer issues. So, um, you know, cheers here. I'm going to toast this computer. Fuck you, computer for uh, ruining my night (laughs) and ruining my buzz. So guys, as promised, you will get a very, very special episode of Electric Liberty Land tomorrow. Talking about Scott Horton, talking about censorship on the internet, talking about Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, teaming up to try to censor free speech and how the ACLU could give two fucks. So, from me, Brian McWilliams, your angry, sweaty, drunken host, from my computer, who I will nickname Arpu (laughs) Decunt, and from the Lions of Liberty and Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.